Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to this week's Business Breakthrough Podcast. Nicole Jansen and I have been chatting for like 20 minutes without hitting record. We're having so much fun. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Esty. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you. And, you know, eventually we decided to hit record and let you guys in on the conversation. Uh, So a little bit about Nicole. She grew up in an entrepreneurial household. By her mid-20s, she'd helped build an eight-figure family business that spanned nearly a dozen countries. She also launched her own successful venture at 16 years old. And uh, she, you know, became one of these go-to resources. After experiencing more than her fair share of unethical and unjust business practices over her 30-year career, I like the language of that, Nicole decided that while teaching others how to build effective business systems and play to their strengths was valuable and rewarding, the most important is leadership, and that is what she focuses on now. So I want to hear a little, I'm curious what this eight-figure family business in a dozen countries is like that's a really great opening line because you're like okay what I want to know what that is yeah you know it, it's interesting so my dad owned garage businesses and um, garage they like both car car automotive, automotive gas station so like so he owned an so franchise and then sold that got a Sunoco franchise and uh, but he was always a big dreamer he's Dutch um, and so they're first generation. So I'm, I'm actually first generation Canadian now living in the U S and so, but they, he came here because he's like, I have a dream. I, something bigger than where he lived. And, and so he was a big dreamer and, uh, decided to, those businesses were going really well. Are all gas he, stations franchises? No, no. I, I mean, you can have your own, um, you know, I know down the street, there's, there's a, a Melrose gas. I'm pretty sure it's not a franchise. Okay. But the other ones that that's how they operate their franchises, they're turnkey. Yeah. 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 So, so he, um, so ESO is a, you know, division of, um, the Canadian version of Exxon mobile. So, um, yeah, anyway, so yeah, so he, he just had a, he had a big dream and he wanted to, um, you know, uh, explore and expand. And so he had tried different venture ventures and so forth. And, uh, somebody actually came to my parents' garage at one point, he was a customer and asked my parents about, uh, network marketing and, you know, asked my dad, you know, have you ever looked at other ways of making money? And my dad said, what the hell do you think I'm doing here? That's his, you know, pretty straight shooter. And he's like, you think I'm doing here seven days a week? Hello. Um, they went to a meeting and, uh, and this was when I was seven years old and got involved in uh, network marketing, which back then was really more, more just called direct sales. Yeah. Which and company? I'm so It was curious. with Amway. Okay. Yeah. And so. What um, does Amway sell again? They sell like uh, soap and household cleaning products. They also own Neutralite, which has been around since like, what, 1924, which is a nutritional with like supplements and so forth. Cool. So, um, yeah, I mean, they've been around since 1959, wow. leader and pioneer in the industry and all that and, uh, high integrity and any, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people go, Oh my gosh, Amway, like 
you know, I've heard bad things about that, but you know, it's interesting over the years is I've never heard somebody actually speak badly about the company. It's about people within within it, like distributors and bad experiences with them. But anyway, so my parents, they, again, big dreamers, they saw this presentation and they said, well, in two to five years, you know, you can get to this level and blah, blah, blah. And my dad said, well, if I have an option between two and five, I'll choose two, two. They just hit the ground running and uh, we're really on track for that. And then my dad got uh, distracted by the bright, shiny object of another opportunity and invested, sold his Sunoco franchise and invested in that. And that was down in Brazil with, with gold mines and they were going to do all this really cool stuff. I like your dad is a classic ADD printer. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And, uh, and he, if you're like, you know, like a Richard Branson kind of like, screw it, let's do it. That mm-hmm. was his thing. He's used to say, let's give it a shot. We'll clean up the mess later. And, and, <laughs> well, that, that's, and fun, that, that, that's like a very stable, calm, secure way to live. <laughs> But you know what? He actually did really well. He was, he had the ability to, to make things happen. And then my mother would be the one cleaning up the mess. She was like the stable. And did that work for her? Like, I'm so like that, that is your typical match. Not that many people make it through long-term when that is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and then of course therein lies the the challenge. So I'll, I'll tell you this, how it goes. So he, so he went down there, um, sold the business that he didn't have really have mentors. So there's so many lessons in this. He, he didn't really have mentors, business mentors or anything, but he did his best to do the due diligence and all of that and felt like this was a good deal and a good opportunity. So he went down to Brazil and, um, and, and he had some partners, so he was going to put in some money, but then there were other partners that had a lot more money than him. And, uh, he signed the agreement with these Brazilian, whoever it was. And, uh, then his partners backed out and the Brazilians were kind of like, well, we don't care if your partners are backed out, you're on this, you know, your signatures on this, we want our money. And so that created a whole, you know, that was a whole story in itself anyway. Wow. So we actually didn't hear from him back in the day that this is like 19, um, what would it have been 1980, 81, I think it was something around there. Mm-hmm. Um, 82 anyway. So he, um, he disappeared. We didn't see him for, um, yeah, it would have been like 82. He, we, we didn't see him. He used to communicate through telex and so forth. And then it was less and less communication. And then literally for a few months, we didn't hear from him at all. And then he wow. shows up on our doorstep one day um, and he had he had hitchhiked from Chicago across the border home and he told the story about how he went to go chase the money and these partners and didn't end up doing that. And then he had to like, you know, run for the hills kind of thing. Anyways, came home. So he had lost everything and had massive debt um, and so, and a um, bunch of Brazilians were after him. Yeah. Apparently they kind of, the, 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 they gave up the chase, I guess at some point, but, um, uh, they, um, yeah, so he just, he had, he had lost everything. And so that was my first experience with, um, you know, with, with how things can go and even taking risks and the cost of taking I know risks. I this might date you, but that. how old were you when 
that happens. I'm not trying so to date 11, you, but I want yeah, to Yeah, yeah, no, that's anyways. fine. 11, 11, 12 years old. I'm 49 right now. So I'm happy to say I'm 49. Hey, every year is a blessing. When I'm 80, I'll be telling people I'm 80 and I'm happy for it. My oh parents God. have both passed away now. My my brother, my father passed away at 73, my mother at 74. And when anytime somebody complains about their age, I think, yeah, you know what? I know people who would love to be 75, 77, 78, you know, 90, yeah. right? And even or 50 or whatever the case is, because there's a lot of people who don't get to live that long. So I'm I'm happy to share my age, but I was about 11, 12 years old, and that really did shape. Um, my view of, of business and even money and all the money conversation around that and so forth. But anyway, coming back to the, the direct sales business. So my dad said, I tried it. I went out on a limb that didn't work. I'm going back to what I know, which is automotive. I don't want anything to do with any of this other creative stuff. My mother's like, on the other hand, going, no, but I think we need to keep this 1982, 60 minutes did a thing on Amway. Uh, big expose talking about like taxes going across border and whatever it, it was all resolved, but the damage was done. So that I wonder if that's, I'm so curious. And I just want to go on a tiny tangent mm. if we can, because sure. I do think MLMs have such a bad reputation. And I myself had such a negative impression of all MLMs. You know, I remember yeah. in my early days in business, constantly getting pitched by like every ambit energy representative. And I was just like, uh, like the first one, I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then I'm like listening and my business head is like, no, I'm no, this is a no, you know? And then recognizing the MLMs and just having, I think culturally there's this perception of MLMs are sleazy, are dirty, are pyramid schemes, are like, they're, they're, there's like a moral component almost to it. They're like, yeah. they're like bad. They're like immoral, bad and, yeah. and bad business. And then recently I've been meeting people, you know, who have been in, what would be a traditional MLM structure, they're extremely successful, high integrity, running incredible businesses. I'm like, hmm, well, this is a paradigm shift, isn't it? So. Yes. Yeah, it's it's really, like I was saying in the beginning, people don't have an issue with the company. The company always had high integrity. I can only speak for this company. And I know there's yeah. many companies out there that do have high integrity. Um, unfortunately, when you have a business which uh, is very low cost to entry, anybody can do it. You get anybody and you get people. And because then it gets presented as this is a get rich quick thing. You don't have to sell. You don't have to do anything. You just get a whole bunch of other people that but do none of that work. True. And, then, and none of that's true. None of that's, none of that's not true. how these things actually work. Well, some yeah. of them do. One of my friends is in an MLM, which is a like nutritional supplement MLM. And the way it works is that as a member, you have to buy a certain amount of their supplements. And mm -hmm. then when you get people in your downstream, right, the people under you, they have to buy and you get a percentage of everything they buy. And so your goal is not to sell anything. Your goal is just to get humans who have to buy things, who get more humans who have to buy things. Right. And if you were going to buy that stuff anyways, cool. Why not earn money on it? If you believe right. in the product, but that's a different model. You're not yeah. actually selling to the outside world almost at all. You're just selling to other people to sell to other people. That blew my mind, that, that structure. Well, and the direct sales association is cracking down and has been for years is, you know, really you, you're not supposed to have a wholesale buying club. Okay. So you, you should have customers. And I know Amway is doing even now um, putting new structures in place where they, um, 
you know, protecting the, the, the distributors, the, what they call IBOs now, um, so that they make sure that they have customers so that it's not a wholesale buying club so that it is, you know, uh, uh, up on the up and up and so forth. So it's not like just get a whole bunch of other people to do it. And then I get my stuff for free kind of thing. But anyway, um, the interesting thing of, about that, yeah, is that a lot of times when people had problems, they have problems with the people because they were like get rich quick and they start telling them a certain way of doing things. Now, my parents being business owners, they treated it like a business. Right. And so they attracted also other business owners. So they looked at it and said, we have a business now, we have access to products that we can buy wholesale sell, and sell retail. So a, of course, we're going to use our own products because if we don't use our own products, that's that lacks integrity. That's like my dad, you know, having an SO franchise and going and buying gas at Shell, right. right? Like it doesn't make sense. Even when we would go down to the States, we would go to the Exxon Mobil stations because he was being loyal to the brand. That just made sense. That's cool. So, There's so much more expensive. <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, but so, but the, the point is, is that the, the whole loyalty point, to the, yeah. to the brand. Right. And yeah. so what happened back then is my, my mom, she said, no, I think we need to, even though the whole expose and all that stuff, cause that's, you know, we were talking about that is, so the business fell apart there, but she says, I feel like we need to hold on to this. And my dad's like, no, nope, I'm going to do the automotive thing. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to talk about it. He just blamed it because he had met the person who let him off track through the business through there. Okay. So I, was he, like, I was trying to figure out the missing piece. I'm like, I don't know what's the problem with family is issues with Brazil gold mines. Now I understand. Yeah. So, you so get anyway, in it. Yeah. Yeah. And saying, Hey, you should, we should also do this. So, so I was seven when they got involved and then I was about 11, 12 when this all happened. And then I started, and I was already at that point helping my parents in the business. I was opening up boxes and I was learning the business, like just, you know, and taking orders and so forth. And at that point I started to um, be more involved and I was helping my mom with the paperwork and, and she was also doing the paperwork for my dad's businesses. So she was busy. And so by the time I was 14, I was doing a lot of the back end of the, the ordering and shipping or, or receiving and so forth. And um, and learned a lot of, about business at the time. So it was my mom and I for a number of years. And when I was 16, I started my own business because I, I started my own team, but I also took products that I could get, had access to. And I started selling them uh, to the marketplace. Like I started selling fax machines and all sorts of different things. And we sells was, fax machines. What's that? Amway sells fax machines back in the day. Now this is a long time ago now, uh, but back in the day they had started to open up to have other products from other brands. And they ended up building this huge catalog at some point, um, which they've now compressed and gone back to their core product lines. But they had this, this catalog that started, we, you know, started to have things like air treatment systems and and perfume and this, and it wasn't their brand, but they were reselling. Like they were becoming a distribution. To it. That's right. You they had this huge distribution network, mm -hmm. and so it made sense for other brands to get their get products their sold. To this so you have a million million and a half distributors who have a vested interest in buying from themselves because they get it at wholesale, they get points, they make money on it, and yeah. all that. Then you know why not, right? So. So who did you sell where, them to? You were 16. You were knocking on doors. Like I did. I did. Wow. I was like, who buys fax machines? Well, my friends aren't buying fax machines. 
So I thought small business owners, because these big business owners, big companies are not going to even give me the time of day. And so I started going to in, in, through industrial areas and I figured it was the shortest distance from point A to point B. Yeah. Um, I could get in there and, and likely the business owner or some manager will be there. And so I started selling these uh, door to door. Then I quickly realized I wasn't excited about fax machines and started going and selling. I've sold everything under the sun. I've sold air treatment systems. I sold incentive programs uh, to like Delta Hotel and, and um, was it a Volvo? At one point, actually it was Volvo. I was having a meeting with them and I don't know how I got in. I mean, I just, I was, I was gutsy. I was like, give them a call. What's the worst thing they can do is say no. And so I, I was having a meeting with them. And I think by then I was like maybe 20 or 21 or something like that. And I said, uh, you know, here's what we've got to offer I was doing these incentive programs and booklets. And they said, you know, um, the baskets, the, the gift baskets were a new thing at that time, man, I'm dating myself with all these stories, but, um, <laughs> it was a new thing. And they're like baskets, baskets, you know, we, we would like to do baskets for these 175 retirees and whatever they were having a party for them. And uh, do you do baskets? You know, and I went, absolutely. I do baskets. Yes. <laughs> and then I went to the car and I, you know, I was like, yeah, okay, let me take care of that for you. You know? And then I leave and I'm like, how am I going to get hold of these baskets? Right. <laughs> I had no idea. And so I sourced baskets and got baskets made. And then I had all these other companies that started asking me for baskets, but they wanted custom baskets. And so I got into the basket making business and then I realized after a while, a few seasons of that, I was like, I don't really want to do this. So, you know, it just started very grassroots. I decided not to go to university because uh, the business, both businesses are, they were growing, it was busy. And so I was going to go to, uh, I was going to go to law school, but I just decided to just go with, with roll with this, uh, you know, idea of business. Cause I always knew I wanted to be in business anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad, when I was about 17 years old, he didn't want anything to do with the business for several years, built up a, another automotive business, bought actually had owned it all. then. He, so it was an independent. And then he also uh, bought a uh, muffler franchise, a three muffler franchise. And so he had that going on. But one day we came back from a conference down in the U S and he says, I'm ready to do it again. I want to, I want to build this. And we're like, what does that mean? You know, but in true, we use you and your mom, you and your mom yeah, were yeah. doing the Amway and he was doing the automotive. He was and doing the automotive. I'm in. So I'm he's in. like, I want, I want to do this. We're going to build this now. And so we're like, what does that actually mean? And in true Dirk style, as his name was Dirk, um, is that he was like, I'm in, let's do it. And in three years, the three of us working together, I did a lot of the, like did the back end, and then they were on the front end doing the meetings and running around and doing the thing um, from that aspect. Um, we were able to replace the income from his other businesses. He ended up retiring. He was 49 years old. My parents retired from the garage business, did the business full time. We continued to grow that. So in the nineties, uh, which, you know, when you look at the, the doubling effect, um, was, would be worth a lot more today, but we built that business up to, uh, you know, a $10 million plus business and multiple countries. We were in, Greece and Philippines. And when I say that, I mean, of course, the US as well. Um, and when I say that is that we had, we had organizations that were established there and we had people there that were 
um, building it there and we were receiving and we had registered distributorships in all of those different countries and we're making how money did from you different- get there in the days prior to social media like what did you do to get did you fly word of mouth Greece? word of mouth it's interesting because when social media became a thing you know people were would say i'd hear people say to me you know oh now it's all about relationship marketing. And I'm like, it's um, always been it's about always relationship marketing. It's just, you have new vehicles. It's much That's easier right. now to get into multiple countries. You know, it's totally. almost like a joke. Like mo- I have more, <laughs> I was speaking to someone yesterday. I'm like, my business is probably half and half us and broad, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And mostly not in LA either. Like most right. of my us based businesses, even East coast, I'm originally from there. Yeah. So the work today is so different, but in the eighties and the nineties, it wasn't like that. No, no, it was, it was word of mouth. It was somebody had a family member, somebody knew somebody over there, uh, in terms of, so for Greece, for example, there was a bunch of people that said we knew people. So when the market was opening up in Greece, the Amway was opening up in Greece Mm -hmm. for the first time, there was a lot of people saying, oh, we know we have, we have people over there. And then one of our distributors from Canada mo- was Greek and moved there and then helped to establish it, not only for us, but also for our upline, for its organization, and really actually for a good part of the, the Amway contingency that was going there. And so very, had a huge impact on building that, that uh, country. And so, you know, I thought literally, I thought that's what I was going to do the rest of my life. I mean, I remember being in the bank one time I was maybe 21 or 22, 23, something like that. And, uh, the bank manager came up to me and she said, you know, you should, you should set up an RRSP, right. It's like that registered retirement plan. And I remember arrogantly saying to her, uh, why would I do that? Why would I set up something so that like, cause she said, well, because when you're 65, you're going to be at a lower tax bracket and it'll make sense. And I said to her, if I'm at a lower tax bracket, when I'm 65, something has seriously gone wrong. <laughs> and so I wasn't interested in doing it. And of course, sure enough, a number of years later, that business ended up falling apart to your point about earlier is that, you know, the, the, the model of network marketing is brilliant. Okay. From a distribution network channel, word of mouth, you know, all of that. The challenge is, is that when it's growing, you've got, you've got anybody, right? So again, you have people, some people that are developing and learning how to lead well. Some people are money driven and you've got all of these things and going on. The brand, the and three so, elements of marketing are branding, marketing, sales. So you've got a lot of the sales, you've got a decent amount of marketing, but you destroy the brand. And so there was ego, there was, there was, uh, there was greed that had seeped in. And in particular, in our case, it was our upline that that was really wanting the uninitiated upline are the people above you downline are the people below you that yes upline are the people who brought you in and downline are the people that you've brought in that's right it's like so so we yes yes thank you so we had um some people in our upline that wanted all the credit they wanted control they wanted the money that all of that and it started to create some real aren't there rules like how they can't get money that's not theirs. Like there's rules. Right. Okay. But there's also in, there's also, so 
Amway also has, or not Amway, the, the company, what happens organizations, they will have their own system of meetings and materials and books and tapes at that time, CDs, materials that there'll be, you know, like sort of marketing materials, brochures that, you know, they'll use. And so that part of the business actually started from a gentleman who ended up building a, he never admitted it, but he's, he definitely had a, had a billion dollar business and in, in Amway, but also own hotels and banks and all sorts of other things. But he started off by saying, Hey, I read this really powerful book, you know, magic of thinking big. And he would give out copies of the book and he would use, and we would use a whiteboard to do the presentations. And so he would give his whiteboard to a new person that he had just registered that was learning how to do it. So he would give it away, buy another one, give it away. Cause he's like, Hey, if I help these people become successful, I'm going to be successful. I'll work out. Now, over time, though, as the business grew, that became an avenue for making money because you could sell those things. You could buy them and sell them, and now you're making profit. Now you can do events and you can sell tickets. And, and wait, what and are we make... buying and selling? His whiteboard books, books, books. You, yeah, so he could buy it wholesale, right? Buy volume, yeah, and then buy like rather than buying one of these books at a bookstore and then giving it away, he you know could buy a thousand of them, get a reduced price, turn around and sell it for yeah. retail and make a margin, right? Okay. Uh, events, you know, I used to go to events that were, you know, 30, 40,000 people a month, you know? And so there's tickets that are sold and there's at some point there's a margin, right? The profit. And so some Who's of that became a structure in the organization, the leaders, some of the leaders would do it right do have for their sanctioned at some level, or they can just decide to do whatever they want. Yeah, they can do. I mean, obviously there's a level of integrity. If you do, you know, you, yeah. you want to do things that are going to work, but ultimately they can do it. I could, I could say, Hey, I want to invite a whole bunch of people and over to you know, my house, or I can rent a conference room and I can do that. Right. right. So obviously, so Amway has a, a code of ethics. So you need to operate the business based on the code of ethics. But other than that, you know, you can do what you need to do to, to grow your business. So, so he, he's continued to do that. And then it became a thing over time. And as I said, as you're talking about big numbers and people start getting greedy and so forth. So um, there was, some, when I talk about that extra money, what is like, they wanted to make money on things and they wanted to do, and the biggest thing was really control. So, and my parents were, were great leaders and builder of leaders, but they weren't in my dad. Like I kind of joke about, you know, yeah, he was kind of a roll with it kind of guy. He didn't problem with like wholesale to retail books and events. I'm missing the link of where the problem is. Yeah. Great question. So it's, so leaders no, are doing book wholesaling and events. Okay. There's no, there's no problem. Okay. Unless you realize that at some point you have influence over your, so you could say this book is really good. This book is really good. And so we only sold the stuff that was, we felt was that we could honorably say like, this is really helpful for you. Right. Mm-hmm. But what happened is, is that then there was like, they were producing more and more of these tools because they realized they could make money on it. 
I hear. And they started unethically selling so, tools and books and events that weren't helpful. I mean, they were helpful, but there was just so much. It's like, well, you need this book and then you need this and then you need this and then you need that. Right. Yeah, and they were and using so, their um, influence or their status as leaders to leverage that influence and make people think they needed stuff they didn't necessarily need. So people were buying tons of books. They were buying tons of tapes. They were buying all this material, the, you know, brochures, new brochures constantly coming out and so forth, which was not in, in itself a, really a bad thing, except when it gets uh, excessive, right? Like there's only so much you really need. And I remember like, so we had a, we had a monthly um, subscription to CDs and so forth. So you get like these four CDs, one a week, you know, new information and blah, blah, blah. Right. I like remember what was it called? BMG, um, BMG. the music club in the nineties, we used to send us a CD oh, every like month. That. Yeah. You love yeah. That. Like that. You, <laughs> we, so we get those every month. Yeah. Well, sometimes like I go to, I go to distributors houses, my distributors and, or ours, and I would go to their houses and I'd see like, there's a stack of CDs that haven't even been opened yet because they haven't, they've gotten, gotten a little behind. Mm-hmm. And so distributors are your downline downline. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just translating yeah. terms at my own head. Yeah. So I would go to their house and I'm seeing that and I'm saying, Hey, you're getting a, you know, you're not listening to those. Why don't we stop the subscription? Mm-hmm. Cause I don't want you to stockpile. The purpose is not to stockpile them. I mean, if you're not listening to them, I don't want you to keep spending right, money on it. it. And so that was from an integrity standpoint, that's the way that my parents, it's the way we operate our business is if it was helpful to them, we recommend it, but it wasn't about making, it was never about how much money could we make off other people. It was about building something much greater than that. It was about a mission. And, but unfortunately that was not the case in, in all, in all, you know, in all cases where people would start to get really greedy and just push this stuff on people and use their influence. And so um, there was that. And there was also my parents were very loyal to, um, especially my mother, you know, to our, to our upline, even though there was some things that they did that were not in integrity. And so long story short, um, they, they wanted control. They actually started to go around my parents and create relationships because they really didn't help build the business. My parents did their own meetings. We did all our own, you know, we did our own stuff, even though we were hooked into some of the, their meetings as well, but they didn't actually help build the business for us. Like some upline do they'll, you know, do. Yeah, I find it, I'm getting so much more into this next. I have some, some contacts and colleagues in a different MLM. And what fascinates me is that everyone I meet in an MLM calls it the business. That's the language, the language yeah. pattern used in MLM is, yeah the business. That's what it's yeah. called. And it's not just your MLM. Like yeah. Everyone on different MLMs. Everybody calls that the business. Yeah. It's yeah. fascinating to me. I've never heard that terminology outside of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the thing you're doing it's the thing. The business. It, and I think it's almost like, because the conditioning language, pa- I'm big on language patterns and like, you know, nuances of language and all of that, because that's the whole goal. They want you to feel like you're building a business, not like you're an employee or like you're part of this big thing. Like this is, it's the business. It's this yeah. like entity, it's this yes. own energetic, like blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so as, as we were, um, so we, so as I said, they, we built the business, we built the team, mm-hmm. we, you know, yeah. and, and we had some great leaders on our team. But what they ended up doing is they ended up going around and wanting to build relationships. And so 
they would go around and they, without my parents' knowledge, would go around and make relationships with some of the leaders on our team and say, well, they don't know what they're talking about. You need to listen to us, right? Because we're above, we're higher up, right? right? So you should listen to us. We know what we're talking about. And what that did is that created dissension, created confusion within the organization. And that was the starting point of a breakdown. There's several other things that happened. It's a whole case study that we could go on and on for you know, a long time. But I learned so much in that process that um, I learned about leadership. I learned about you know ethics and all of that, how to build teams, how to- How do you because- extricate yourself from something like that? Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course, subscribe. You do not want to miss this.